I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Chala Dinkoy. Chala is the CEO and founder of the Repositioning Expert, a division of Coach Tactics, and a marketing strategist who helps professional service companies change their message to attract more decision makers. In her former life, Chala was an award-winning marketer at companies such as Pepsi, Pizza Hut. Is Pizza Hut even around anymore? They don't have the huts, do they? Hardly. <laughs> uh, Frito-Lay, um, Diageo, I don't know what that is, Playtex, and Vic Inc. For 20 years, she is now a marketing consultant, the author of Gentle Marketing, A Gentle Way to Attract Loads of Clients, and How to Win Friends the, app, the Way Apple Wins Customers. I actually really like, I was reading that title and I was like, I think I might need to read that one. In addition, Chala is a regularly featured expert on major television networks such as ABC, Embassy, CBS, Fox, as well as popular speaker at international conferences. Chala's true passions are her person are her personal choice for the most adorable kid in the world, her son, Logan. We were just talking about how our kids are the same age. Scuba diving, boot camp workouts, and her Kindle addiction. I also have a Kindle addiction. Uh, What do you read on on your Kindle? Um, Any genre, but like, I'm really, really stoked about um, one of the coaches that I follow. She wrote a book called Rich as Fuck. (laughs) I love it. That's my next one. I love it. Um, I actually, I was talking about this on another podcast the other day, but like, I just read a lot of romance novels. Oh, cool. Very nice. I spend all day in like tax research and I'm just like, oh, that's so great. I need to, I don't read that many business books because I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's just a lot of romance novels. It's just my thing. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I got enough reminders to kill a horse. It was great. <laughs> There is no way I was missing this one. You would be surprised. People miss sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you sent them to me. And And I'm always like, if I'm going to get dressed, you better show up. (laughs) I'm putting makeup on today. You're going to do it too. Yeah, we've had, it happens every once in a while. We get it. We get a couple no shows, but Uh rarely, I mean, life happens, especially right now during the pandemic. Like, yeah, but during the pandemic, everyone's home. I know. Really no excuse. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I do that with all of ours. It was just like, you, I, I've always got a cutie set up to do with like all the reminders. It's great. Then it's like, how could you not know? Exactly. What's happening? There's no way somebody would not know. It does happen though. Um, usually not, not more, not really for the podcast, but on the, um, on the firm end sometimes I'm like, did you not get your reminders? <laughs> um, so tell us, what was your first job? Oh my gosh, I used to sell cemetery property. Oh, wow. On the phone. That's a new one. Well, I'm really like, I was trained really hard on the phone so that I know, like, I've never been afraid of the phone. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in, uh, I think I was in high school that I started that job. And it's hard selling cemetery property. Like, you know, everyone's got to go, we used to say, but. Nobody wants to talk about it. No, that's hilarious. I love that. That's totally new. That's a new one. So you started in sales. 
yeah, I mean, it was just the easiest, you know, thing to get. And I've always said, even to my son who was in scouts and he, he was selling apples. I don't know if you guys do that in the States too, but he got more apple sales than any of the other people in his group. And so I'm like, you hold on to that skill or you develop that skill. It's for life, right? Yeah. It's good for life. Yeah. Most small business owners go into their businesses, not understanding sales. And I still, I mean, still something I, you know, I'm working on because it's not what I've ever had to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wrote a blog last week and I did, I do something called Tuesday tea with Chala. So this is my, my little tea. Um, and it's the same topic. And the topic was, you should never delegate sales until you have a working mastery of it yourself mm -hmm. for a whole slew of reasons is mostly because if you can, you can't teach what you can't do. And if you don't know how to sell, then everything starts with a sale, right? Mm -hmm. Like when there's no money, there's no business. Mm -hmm. When there's no sale, there's no business. Right. I know I always tell business owners, they're like, we need to cut expenses. I'm like, no, we need to go sell more things. Like, you know, we need to go sell things exactly, and we need to, you know, pay the things that need to happen to get that to happen. Exactly. Looks like you're having some tea. I'm having coffee. Ah, this is my second. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, so tell us a bit, a bit about your career journey. Oh, I was a corporate girl. It was mm. all corporate. My parents are immigrants. They pushed us into work hard, study hard, get good jobs with big companies, you'll be safe while well, I was restructured more than I ever, you know, could remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I worked for big corporations, 18 years, said no to every person trying to sell to me. They were all sexy brands, Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Frito-Lay. Diageo, by the way, is the largest drinks company in the world. I managed wow. uh, Smirnoff, uh, Tanqueray, Gordon's, um, um, Silent Sam, like Johnny Walker. Oh, okay. We used to have a castle in uh, Dromir in Scotland where we used to go and do retreats. It was crazy. Bailey's was ours. So they literally own um, the whole drinks category. I never worked in corporate. I've never worked in corporate. So I'm always like baffled. My husband works for larger companies and I'm always just like, that's so interesting. <laughs> it's like a fine mix of having enough money at your disposal to be important. Mm -hmm. At a young age and being a slave to that right so there are certain rules and that you have to abide by but if you do or if those rules come naturally to you or they don't restrict you too much in terms of your personality mm -hmm. then you go far and have like millions and millions and billions at your disposal to do this stuff with i mean the budgets that i used to handle and the teams that i used to handle were huge right but it just never meshed with my personality. I used to think my bosses didn't know as much as I did. I used to, you know, negate two bosses up in the same meeting. Like it, it just, I was just not meant to be a political animal. Mm. And so it, it was a good thing when I left and um, I quadrupled my income at the age of 40. So that was good. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I don't think I'd go, I would work well in corporate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like why that's a dumb role <laughs> or exactly. why do we do this this way? Yeah. Like, I just wouldn't, it wouldn't go well. Exactly. You have to be extremely political, especially the higher up you get mm. and the bigger the corporation, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that would, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> not, not now that I run my own business. I always tell people I'm unemployable at this point. Mm -hmm. um, probably for any business, but especially a large, especially if you've never had that experience. I mean, why would you ever want to? I don't exactly. 
<laughs> it works out exactly. and they wouldn't want me so it's all good oh. um so let's talk um let's talk about the key elements um to um for effective marketing right so there's usually people are missing something but what are those no i actually started a new podcast called naked marketing mm -hmm. it's all about the marketing mistakes so we're actually going to have a marketing mistakes summit <laughs> so we're going to catch everybody's mistakes all all in one shot but uh yeah the 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 fundamentals is you have to have uh, a, a target mm -hmm. and you have to know what their problem is that you solve mm -hmm. and you have to be in their world constantly giving them advice about that problem. So that's really the fundamentals. I call it, um, I've coined it super niching. So uh, it is like picking just one industry or interest group to focus on at a time and picking their most expensive problem to, to teach mm -hmm. so that your marketing becomes educational marketing and then you never have to ask for a sale after that jamie all you do is show up in front of them and keep talking about how you've solved that problem for other people in their same boots in their same mm -hmm. industry you never have to once ask for a sale they're like please help us please i love it i love it um how does a company pick a niche so i know that like there's different ways to go about it, but what is, what is, what is your tried and true formula? So this is, I've actually created this uh, formula after 18 years of launching new products. Like mm -hmm. when I worked at Pepsi, we'd launch seven, 10 new products a year. And the whole trick was you have to launch a product that doesn't cannibalize what's already on the shelf, but it adds to the whole brand. So you have to differentiate it somehow. And the way you differentiate it is you find a gap in the market you find a, a target group that has a need and then you make that you position that product which is why the name of my company company is called the repositioning expert is that i find that gap in the market and that positioning and that's what's your niche your super niche mm -hmm. so the, the process to do that is i took everything that i learned in those 18 years of doing that and then and it's like if you were to try to do it at one of those companies it's millions of dollars of research and thousands of hours of, you know, um, of data. Of course, we don't have that you and I at our level for our level of business. Mm -hmm. So I've condensed it into a two to four week process where it starts with, uh, we do a back of the envelope blue sky of all the different industries and interest groups we can hit and all their problems. And then we rate them. And then we go after the top three. And then we talk to them. We talk to actual decision makers who could hire us in those top industries and verify that those, what is the most um, painful, costly, persistent problem. And then we um, figure out the messaging around what, how they're talking about that problem. So it's literally letting the market tell us what the niche should be. So most marketers who don't, who don't know the strategy behind marketing that I learned working at these big brands try to come up with it on their own or most business owners just try to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what will stick in terms of who to target and what to, to specialize in. And so the way, if you turn it around and you look at the market first, you figure out what is it that they need mm. and buckets of self-gathering of, you know, large numbers of people only self-gather in industries or interest groups. And then 
you're constantly in front of them saying, I can help you with that. I can help you with that. And then telling stories of how you've helped all these different people in the same industry with the same problem. That's how you pick a niche. Love it. Taking notes? I am. <laughs> but you should be. I'm always taking notes. Um, that's how I learn. So if I write it down, then I will, uh, it will stick with me. Um, so let's talk, um, let's talk elevator pitches. I mean, are we still doing elevator pitches? Is that a thing still? <laughs> An elevator pitch is really the tip of your marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. So I, I also have another, I have three podcasts. So one of my podcasts is a five minute podcast called Polish My Pitch. Mm -hmm. And it is the person shows up and I'm going to, I've offered to do that for you and you've graciously accepted, but you show up, you do your 30 second to a minute elevator pitch. And then I ask for your permission to polish. And then I give you suggestions. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's still relevant is one, people are still doing them in zoom rooms and breakout rooms for virtual conferences. Mm -hmm. And two, um, it's your one liner that you need in LinkedIn messaging or social media messaging. When people say, what is it that you do? So you have to be able to convey very quickly and concisely in a one-liner what it is that you do. One line, one sentence. Um, so yeah, it's it's super relevant because as you'll see on the show, when people show up and they have a very generic elevator pitch, it's a mirror into their um, strategy that they don't have a differentiated, niched strategy that's based on a specific specialty. So you will find out very quickly from hearing somebody talk about what they do within 30 seconds. I, my, I wrote another book I've got, I've written four books. Uh, it's called um, how to make anyone like you in seven seconds or less because Harvard university found that it takes less than seven seconds. Like you already decided whether you think I'm competent or not. So it took seven seconds for you to decide that. Right? And for me and, and likewise. I love that. So that's why an elevator pitch is still so relevant. Yeah. And where do people usually go wrong on those? They're, they kitchen sink everything. They list everything. They like, we do this, we do that. We work with this, you know, like they just list the who and the what, and it just, it doesn't work because confused minds don't buy. There's a horrible statistic that says 86% of buyers can't tell the difference between two suppliers. They really so can't. true. Yeah, so true. they just try to base it on price mm -hmm. and price becomes your, their biggest determinant of quality. And then people are constantly trying to undercut the price to be more competitive, which works the opposite way in psychology, mm -hmm. right? You don't see a Chanel trying to undercut, uh, you know, target. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Right. So yeah, that's, that's usually what goes wrong is that it's too generic. And then, the, and then those of us that are trying to di differentiate, we spend a lot of time really confused about like, or like what, stop asking me for tax returns. Like that's, that's my current pain point. Cause people are just like, okay, I need my tax returns done. What's your price? I'm like, that's not what we do because they, they assume we're all agent or black or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so that, so then you would have to change your elevator pitch, change your tagline, <laughs> actually change the name of your company. Uh, change your landing message on your homepage, start to put out um, keyword SEO around the problem that you do solve that you want to be associated with. Lots and lots of ways to tweak that. 
But if a surefire sign that your marketing is not working is if you're getting the wrong target mm -hmm. or the wrong kind of business. Yeah, we just um, we just did a whole rebrand. I think I told you this. Like her home, we we just did a whole rebrand. We put the podcast and the firm together. We renamed the firm to the podcast. Like it's a whole like new content, new everything. Um, so it's been like this whole process. <laughs> I sure hope you did some market research. We did. We did do some market research. I've been doing market research for about a year or so. Um, and then we're working on putting some marketing together, but it's always better. Like we can always get more clarity. Right. Um, you know, like I say that because I'm like, Oh, I'm married to the new website or whatever, but like, also we can always like tweak things. Um, yeah, you, should never, always... you should always think about your website as something you're going to be changing every year or two years anyway. Yeah. You should never like spend too much so that you're like, Oh, you know, yeah. it was just a process to get the podcast over and like, it's just a whole thing. Um, but also, you know, it needed to happen for a lot of reasons, but the big reason is that it all needed to be all under the same brand so that we could, you know, properly use the podcast as our content and, you know, all of that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work there in like trying to like change that message and like understand like, what is it and who do we work with? And like, that's a lot of work. And I know people really struggle. I know small businesses struggle with that a lot. Um, you know, they're like, but what happens? What if I pick an instrument and it's the wrong one? You know, there's- well, see, that's there. the beauty of what I teach is that, first of all, it doesn't take that long. I'm shocked that you're telling me you've been doing research for a year. Mm -hmm. um, it should take you no more than two to four weeks to, to determine mm -hmm. who is the target and what is the problem that you solve that you're gonna become a specialist in and mm -hmm. what words you're gonna use Mm -hmm. um, to convey what they need. And so, um, yeah, so I'm glad that you've got it and, and, and there should be no confusion and there should be no fear because the market never lies. Yeah. The market tells you what they want. They will tell you, like, I have a client right now who just got off the phone, uh, off zoom where she wants to work with coaches, like wants to so badly to work with coaches. In fact, she refuses to look at any other niche and she, ask the question around her pricing and they're like, no, <laughs> they all said no. So she still wants to well, work with them. I'm like, well, you know, we can build something around a, a group that said no to your pricing. That's fine with me, but you have to take the consequences. Are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. Or are you okay with looking at other verticals? Uh, and then, so she um, is revising how she's asked the question because she feels it's the question that was confusing and I don't think it is, but she will have to prove it. The market never lies, Jamie, the market mm -hmm. never lies. So I'm never wrong. <laughs> I am never wrong. And I love my process because of that. And I love so, it. yeah. I love it. All right. All right, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So pretend I'm a prospect that you met. Mm -hmm. So tell me who the prospect is. Um, so we work with, uh, women owned veterinary and dental practices. So did you say veterinary and dental, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, do they usually hang out together? They don't. We mostly focus on veterinary. Okay. So um, let's, let's stick with one at a time. Okay. Let's do veterinary together. Right. Okay. So you said female, female vets. Yeah. Women owned vet, um, vet practices. Okay. Okay, shoot. So pretend that I'm one mm -hmm. and that we're meeting at an industry function. And I say, what is it that you do, Jamie? Uh, 
we give veterinary uh, women-owned veterinary practices the confidence that their tax and accounting um, processes are working for them and not against them. Okay, that's it. That's it. Okay. Do I have your permission to polish? Yeah, go ahead. So the first thing that I'm going to suggest is that it be pain-based because 70% of humans uh, purchase based on pain. So when you say that the tax is working against them, what is the evidence? How do they know that the tax is working against them? They're paying too, many, too much taxes or what? Yeah, so generally they're paying too much in taxes. They don't know how much taxes they're going to owe. They don't have strategy or planning around their tax structures. And what, what's the result of that? What happens? Uh, they pay too much in tax. So uh, that's the biggest problem. Yeah, and I think it's the unknown a lot of the time too. They don't know how much they're going to owe every year. It's an unknown, and it's a, it's an unknown amount. Or, you know, there's fear around how much am I going to owe? What's going to happen? But I made more money this year, and I'm going to owe more taxes. Okay, so is the paying too much more of a pain, or? it is the fact that it's unknown causing more of a pain. So like ladder up the problem, is it that they can't sleep at night? Two out of three female vets can't sleep at night because they don't know what they owe in taxes or two out of three go out of business because they didn't know what they owed and didn't put it away. That's yeah, I, th I think it's more, and what I like to think about is because they owe so much in taxes, they're not, they don't have the cash in their pockets for the sustainability they want in their businesses. So which, which results in what, which they end up owing too much. And then what happens? Yeah. So they're, so it's taking cash out of the business for growth. Um, and then they're working too much to make up that time and dollars because, because of the taxes they're, they're working overtime to pay for taxes. Yeah. So they're trying so most women owned, so let's kind of, I'm kind of want to back it up. So women owned, um, or women veterinarians generally want to not work 80 hour weeks. <laughs> they don't want to do the burnout. They want to build sustainable practices that are lifestyle and business. Um, and so a lot of the time, you know, their structures or whatever they've, um, whatever they've created in their entities, they're paying more taxes than they need to. They have less cash in the business because of that. And they're not moving towards that sustainability goal. And so, so I need, like, let's make up a statistic and this okay. is the way we're it. Let's okay. make a statistic about the biggest uh, end pain. So uh, is it that, did you know that two out of three um, women owned veterinarian, veterinarian businesses um, work more than 80 hours a week or what is the ultimate pain for them? That is it that, you know, that they're, their health, did you know that their health is affected because they have to work eight hours a week due to unplanned taxes? Yeah, that's, I like that. I want to refine it. I don't think that's yeah. probably true, but. Right. So like, let's find whatever the biggest ultimate, like two out of three uh, women vets are getting divorced because they work too long to make up for the taxes they owe due to unplanned taxation. Okay. I, I, to find, and in order to do that, of course, haha, you have to talk to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I want my clients to always talk to people they don't work with. Yeah. Now. And the reason for that is because they don't know you like you trust you. They will mm -hmm. tell you like it is. They will say, yeah, I would pay for that that much. No, I wouldn't pay for that that much. Mm -hmm. And also they would talk about their problems. Now you have to know them through someone or from a different life, but, but cause they won't like open up their hearts to a stranger, Yeah, but there has to be some sort of warm lead, but once you ask them that, you'll be fine. Yeah, I think 
I did. So I've done some of that. Um, and a lot of it, um, is around concerns of cash flow, you know, and yeah, but what is, what is that resulting in? The concern about cash flow is it that it's causing them sleepless nights? Is it because they is it causing them an ulcer? Is it causing them yeah. the family? Is yeah, it their, their children more. Yeah, uh, I think like the ultimate pain. I want you to make it really painful. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely probably. I mean, I think most business owners it's sleepless nights for a lot of us, right? <laughs> um, but I do think it might be it might be an emphasis on doing services that they think are more profitable so that they can increase cash flow when it's not those services. So a lot of it too, like we, we, we help with, um, we also help with, you know, consulting around profit and things like that as well. Um, but I do, it is, it's a cash flow, they have cash flow problem. Yeah, but the cash flow problem causes what for them to work longer? Yeah, I think it's, you know, Cause less time. Right, which causes what? So go to the ultimate problem. Yeah. So go level up, 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 and then come up with three ultimate problems that you think are the most common and then go and ask them, which of the three is, if you had a last dollar dime in your business to spend mm -hmm. on fixing, which one would it be? Would it be divorcing you know, your husband because you're spending too much time to pay for taxes? Mm -hmm. Is it uh, you know, not being able to uh, work with the kind of people that you want and screaming at your kids because you're so you know um unhappy in your job because you have to pay for taxes and work long hours or is it um that you're just paying too much for taxes and uh your business is failing mm -hmm. or you you can't pay the um hygienist because you don't have enough cash flow because you've paid out you, you didn't know how much you had to pay out in taxes. Yeah. So, I just yeah. actually wrote down one about, um, the vet industry has a really, um, they have not a lot of people to hire. So there's not a lot of vets. Um, there's not enough vets, um, in the job pool. Um, so it's hard for people to, to, to hire associates just to begin with. And then they're dealing with cash flow issues, um, or, you know, not understanding their ability to, um, to be competitive and hiring other associates. So then they have more time in the business. They can't, they can't hire an associate, you know, they're dealing with probably more, you know, more work than they should be, um, at any time. So I think that's also pro so that all learned leads to burnout. Um, this is one of the highest burnout. Yes. Do that. Put a stat around burnout. Did you know that female vets burn out 10 times faster than male vets? Okay. Or I like that. Something like that. Or yeah, I'll find one, you know, sure there is a, a burnout 10 times faster than accountants or dentists or well, something. The, the accountants are all burned up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> They're like brain dead. No, no. But so, and then, and then what you say then is uh, what we do is we make sure that you you know what you're paying, when you're paying so that you never have to burn out so that you mm -hmm. always have enough on, on hand to work less hours, hire more qualified staff mm -hmm. and pay your taxes on time, blah, blah, blah. So the, the formula for the perfect elevator pitch is the who, mm -hmm. the problem, the what you do to solve and the, the result. So as a result, you're sleeping like a baby every night or whatever you have to, the result has to tie to the problem that was in the same elevator pitch. Makes sense. I like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
it's a little formula. I love it. Okay, cool. I need to go find some stats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're looking for, I mean, the, the, the right way to do this, Jamie, is not, is not the way we did it, right? That's fine. <laughs> the way, the right way to do it is what I was telling you is mm-hmm. find three pain points that you think of, which are the hypothesis of any scientist doing mm-hmm. an experiment. Mm-hmm. Start with the three pain points, reach out to the, the prospects that you really want to work with, and then say, um, which of these three is the most relevant for you? And then like force them into a choice of one of the three pain points and make sure they're not saying the same thing. Make sure they're distinct pain points. And then uh, after you talk to five or 10 people, see where they're converging and then, and note how they're talking, note their words that they're talking about the pain, Mm -hmm. and then change everything that you've just done in your branding, (laughs) whatever. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I'm just saying, hey, it's better better late than never, right? Well, you know, and I think it's, you know, it's always, uh, like I said, there's always improvements to be made. Yeah, and that's a great mindset. Honestly, you could have been like one of these owners that's like, Chala, I've done my marketing. I am not going to talk to anybody else about marketing ever again, right? <laughs> no. It's Kaizen, right? It's the Japanese uh, continual improvement philosophy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's, you know, that's what we do over here. So, you know, it's one of those things we live by because if we can continue to improve, we can help, help our clients continue to improve. Yeah. And the more I learn, the more they can learn. And you are who you attract. So the way that you're being is the way that you're going to attract the people, you know, you, yeah, that you know, I love it. I love it. I just wrote down Kaizen. I've heard that before, but I want to go look at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I need my highlighter. Hold on. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're such an accountant. I know. I'm like, where's my red pen? I need some stats. Um, one of my um, jobs in the next month or two is to put together um, a little booklet pamphlet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will. Um, I'm going to use this some of this for that, and then to kind of hash it out. Yeah. I have lots of notes, Charla. Right, I'm glad. I love it. No, it's always helpful. You know, I've talked to I've talked to thousands of marketing people at this point, and it's always helpful. Like I always learn something every time. Um, idea, right? Me too. It gets. I love my guests. Like I really, and I hope you'll come and become a guest. Yeah, I'd love to. How much I can learn from you guys, and I do. And you know what? Every time I do my own live streams, every week I learn it from a guest, or it starts up a thought that that guest and I talked about. And then I, t- I talk about, you know, like the thing about the don't ever delegate until you have a mastery of it yourself was a guy who invented the Uber of lawn mowing. And he spent $150,000 for two developers because he was a lawnmower guy uh, and a landscaper. And he didn't know how to code. So he learned how to code because they had to throw in the garbage the app that the, those guys made they lost years and 150,000 and he had to learn how to code. And he now has a multi-million user platform, mm-hmm. right? It's so our conversation with him led me to believe, okay, led me to think about him okay, how does it work with sales? It works so on point with sales because like there's so many reasons why you need to know how to sell your own services mm-hmm. before teaching it to somebody else. And I have so many clients who are like, we're just about to hire someone to do our sales. I'm like, well, what are you going to teach them? You don't even have 
the strategy. You don't have the niche. You don't have the target. What are they going to just guess at it? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And that's just it. Like we know best what we do. Um, but, but we always, and I always tell the clowns, like, that doesn't mean that the the client sees the value in like tax preparation. Like that's just, it's just a service we have to do. Um, that's how I feel about payroll. That's how I feel about a lot of services that really are like, there's no value add there for the client. Mm -hmm. Um, so we need to decide, are we doing those and deciding to do it on price or what are we adding value-wise? that you know what kind of guarantees things like that um but you're right i mean especially in my industry you know the 86 percent you know of people like are, are just looking for price um you know that's something we all run into in this industry um well you've already started with a little bit of the branding so you're yes. doing a podcast a lot of people in your industry would rather be shot than be a <laughs> So you're a little bit ahead of the curve there. Yeah. You've got the clever name. You know, yeah. I, I think it would be better if you could hang a hook around, like have a hook of that super niche of what is the problem that you solve. If it is like, you know, the burnout free taxation kind of mm-hmm. thing, the burnout free tax girl, yeah. whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So then that becomes your calling card. And then that differentiates you, your visibility differentiates you. You can go so far as to have an actual brand character like the uh, insurance mom. If you ever look up insurancemom.com, it's a cartoon of a 50s uh, mom and she's holding a baked apple pie and all the words are around, don't ever get insurance from a website. Always ask your mom, now call your mom. So it's like a a brand character, right? So, I mean, you could go into any of these devices to differentiate, but the true the best differentiator is that super niche of having that hook around. I love the fact that you're so clear that it's, you know, veterinarians like women that, owned. like, and women-owned veterinarians even better. Now, do women-owned veterinarians self-gather somewhere? They have their own organization, association, LinkedIn groups. Um. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, that, then you're fine. Yeah, they're pretty insular though. <laughs> Well, as long as they self-gather, though, yeah, they do. Don't have to do the heavy lifting, right? Then you could just penetrate their groups, become a member, become a thought leader in that group, become an advisor to that group. But if they don't self-gather and you're trying to cherry pick them, it's going to be a heavy lifting. It's going to be a long road. Yeah, actually, I have a friend. I'm going to ask. Actually, ask her, um, like, what associations and stuff she's in. Um, yeah, she's one. She's actually the first person I sat down with. I was like, I think I want to serve veterinary practices like will you like will you just talk to me um and that call went really well and I got some clarity around you know what are your biggest issues what's going on you know things like that um and she made some changes from that call in her practice I was like dude you could make another five hundred thousand before the end of the year if you just did these two changes and she's like oh (laughs) thank you and I was like that's what yeah. we're here for. Thank you for your time. Like, I just want to see, like, that's what I do. I see people's pain points, um, and try to at least, you know, give them a solve, you know, give them a solution on it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's easier to do when you're on a one-on-one JB, yeah. but the, the trick to marketing messaging is you want to do a message that's one to many. Mm-hmm. So you've done the homework to figure out the mass pain in that one, uh, concentrated industry or interest group. And then all of your, one-to-many messages like your website, like your uh, the name of the podcast, like the name of any of your presentations or whatever it is, like 
or your SEO, like that one-to-many, that's what we're trying to figure out. Because otherwise the one-to-one, if you're like have a consultative selling style, you just ask them what their pain is and you just go from there, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the one-to-many, the marketing message comes into play when you're like Mm one-to-many, right? So. Awesome. I love it. All right. Um, Let's see. So I did want to talk about real fast. I'm looking at our time. Um, what are the biggest mistakes um, small businesses are making right now mid pandemic? Um, they're with their marketing. I think it's something to talk about because we're well, kind of, well, you know, I've got, I've got some really sad, um, sad stories of uh, clients and friends who are refusing to pivot. Yeah, there's those, there's one uh, woman, she's like brilliant and she's had uh, a graphic design business that we've worked together with for 30 years and very successful. And then of course, like their niche uh, event planning went down the drain. So the signage business for events went done, right? They're just done. Mm -hmm. So um, even though she's a award-winning, brilliant graphic artist and more people are doing, redoing their websites and their digital presence than ever in history, she refuses to play in that pool because she says, I'm too old. There's much more sophisticated uh, digital help available for much cheaper. And I'm just not going to play that game. And so she's sitting it out, but, you know, and she's just praying that the government funding is never going to run out. So, and praying for things to come back. And that's a really long road and it's really hard on your mindset. I mean, that's just one example, but then other, um, like my, I'm, I'm a, a story of resilience through um, COVID because I, I mean, this picture here was for, uh, to help me uh, as a good luck charm because during COVID or at the beginning of COVID, I lost all my conferences that I was booked to speak at in the US because I'm in Canada. So the border mm-hmm. shut down, the conferences were canceled. My entire funnels were, I spoke at 14 conferences in 12 months in 2019. That's how I made like by myself close to half a million with half a VA, like just out of my living room. Mm-hmm. And that was finished. It was gone. And, you know, I'm a single mom of an autistic 11 year old. So that was really hard and scary. But what I did is I completely learned a whole new skill called social selling. Mm-hmm. And I hired teams and I have a team in Kenya who does social selling to get me clients. And, you know, my programs are multiple five figure programs. They uh, get me multiple five figure clients from LinkedIn and LinkedIn has no, no limits. I mean, I can sit here and find clients. There's over a billion users on LinkedIn, right? Whereas I could, I couldn't multiply myself and double the number of conferences I was going to. I was already so stretched and exhausted. So that's been the gift. Uh, and so the marketing mistake that people, marketing any kind of mistake that people aren't making, are making is that they're not pivoting. They're re- refusing to pivot to, to digital. Mm-hmm. That's, and I, I completely agree. So the businesses we've had um, or the clients we've had that um, have, have survived and thrived in this um, are the ones that, you know, maybe saw just an opt- uptick because of what they do. So construction's been yeah. bonkers. Um, but the ones that have really limited themselves to whatever they were doing before, you know, and like their focus is on how much PPP loan can I get? And yeah, yeah. And, that. and it's just like, exactly. 
why can't you do this online? Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, why can't we take this business and actually expand it online? Because yeah. now was- you have a pool that you're not, you know, people are looking for these services probably that are digital. Yeah. You know, you don't need to have, you can keep your physical location, you know, if you want to, whatever, but it's the lack of pivoting. And I said this at the beginning, I was like, the people who are not able to adapt to this, um, to adapt and change how they do things, um, we're going to just see these businesses die. Yeah. Uh, and it's sad, but it's also, I don't know. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what their industry pools look like after this is over. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like putting your head in the, burying it in the sand, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched, I've watched a lot of accountants be very confused about how to do stuff online. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, guys, it's Zoom. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, but then I'm an early adopter, so I'm just like. I mean, look at you. You've got a, I mean, you've got a podcast. Right? <laughs> well, an to get a podcast, you like, I don't even have a picture. Yeah, or I don't, you know, have a website from yeah. know, this century, so. Exactly. Um, awesome. Okay. Um, what is the easiest way for people to find you? It is to go to repositioner.com slash gift, where if you want to work with someone like me, uh, you have a, um, opportunity to book a call so we can talk about what that looks like to work together. And there's a gift of my book called the gentle marketing. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving us that one. We'll drop, we always drop everything in the description box. Um, so what is the one thing a business needs to get clear on to facilitate um, growth through their marketing? They're super niche. Super niche. I like that. I could not stress it enough. Yeah. I, it was something I fought forever and I don't know why I did, but I did. Um, and then oh. I did it and I was like, oh, that is so freeing. You know, it is so freeing to be like, this is what we do. This is who we do it with. And then people are like, oh, well, that's a really specific niche. And then they never forget that that's who we work with. Exactly. Right. I, I love that you said that. Yeah. You know, people like, one. I know you have two. And if you have two teams and two resources and two marketing, mm-hmm. platforms, two uh, podcasts, yes, do two. But try to figure out which one is bigger and try to go after that one. Yeah. Um, we just love working with veterinarians. There's our, they're, they're our favorite. Um, and the other, the other reason I have um, to go with veterinarians is that um, I feel like they do have more pain points, but also the dental side is saturated with accountants that work with dentists. Yeah. I mean, we really don't need that many clients and, you know, we work really hands-on with all of our clients. So we don't like, we want like a hundred, but still there's a lot of the dental side is pretty saturated. Um, and I think it's veterinary is not something that people stay with for very long because it is kind of harder to, you know, it is kind of a different, it's different than other, um, than other niches. So, um, but we love it. It's been so fun. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We love it. It's been really great. Awesome. Chala, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All the best. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.